Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Tiffany. I'm Mandy. And this is Brown Ambition. Brown Ambition. (laughs) Uh, I feel like, you know, it's so crazy now that we introduce ourselves because it's been two years and we haven't. (laughs) Hey guys, hey. Right? If you're listening, you know who we are. So today's actually going to be a different kind of show. Right, Mandy? Yes. um, I noticed you guys have been sending in so many questions lately. And they're such good questions that I thought today we would do just a question show um, mm-hmm. so you guys get answers to your questions. And once we do this, we're going to need some more questions. So exactly. this is officially your on watch. Send us your questions, career, business, financial related. Um, you can hit us up at brownambitionpodcast.com. Oh, you did it today. Got <laughs> yeah. it. Um, or go right to the straight to us by emailing us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. So I was hoping today that I was going to have great news. I still have good news, but I was supposed to close yesterday on the house, but we're supposed to close tomorrow. So definitely continue to to, to send me your um, BA prayers and good wishes and good vibes. And I mean, it's happening. It's just a matter of, is it today? Is it tomorrow? Is it? So I got all the paperwork and I uh, was supposed to head into the title office to sign tomorrow and make the wire transfer. Although I'm nervous about the wire transfer part. Um, there's a woman, I don't know if you remember Shannon, I think her name's Shannon LA, LA. She's in, um, in yeah. FinCon, Mandy. So yep. she made a wire transfer to buy her house and, um, somehow, um, somebody, um, got it. Like, what? It's intercepting a, it? Yes. It's a big fraud. It's a big fraud. There's some, like, I guess some scam that's going around oh, where. you know what? Yeah. I saw her post about this in FinCon last year. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. And so I actually called like my, um, the title company that we're working with. And I said, I'm nervous about making the wire transfer because I've heard of this. And he said, no, it is very prevalent. Um, and he was like, these are the ways that you avoid it. He's like, one, you know, we don't do any numbers via email because anybody can intercept your email and read and be like, okay, I'm going to email you a different wire transfer number and you're, you're, you're going to send it to me, you know? Um, so he'll, he'll be giving me the wire number on the phone and he's like, you're going to go directly to the bank and read it off to them. You know, wait um, a second, okay. just to, just to back up. So you are doing a wire transfer to the title company. Yes. Yeah, so this, we're a little bit unique in that, you know, cause we're paying for our house cash. 
Okay. So we're not one. We don't have a, a, a lawyer, um, and two, uh, because the title company just did a title search, and it wasn't necessary to um, to get a lawyer because there's no contract in place because we're not buying from okay. a person, and so it's and it's as is um, the the home. We we got it inspected, but you know the home is as is, so we saved money by not getting a lawyer. Um, the title company basically kind of like subbed in as a lawyer, you know, did a title search to make sure there's no liens on the house that the house does not owe anyone, which it doesn't. Um, and so we transferred our down payment to the title company and they held it like in a, you know, in an account just to show the bank that actually owns the house now, because it's a foreclosure that yes, these people are serious. The money, you know, I think it was like $9,000 is sitting here. And so, um, now what we'll do is the title company for us is the middleman. Um, the bank has given the title company the deed and they'll sign it over to us once we then send the title company the money um, the one, the 180 minus the 9,000. Um, and then they'll send the money to, uh, the bank and we'll be, so they're like our middle person. This is my first foreclosure. So I don't know like what's normal, what's not, this is not what I did obviously when I, when I bought my condo, but this is, I don't know if this is typical foreclosure. Um, like kind of like, you know, if you're buying a foreclosure, this is what it kind of looks like, but that's what, how it's working out for us is that, we pay the middleman, the middleman collects everyone's things and then disperses them. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that is a little unique. Because mm-hmm. we, my, my, my issue with the wire transfer, so we had to put down a good faith deposit, which is basically a portion of our whole deposit. We had to do this way back when, when we signed the contract last month. Um, and it was like 10%. We're putting down 15. It was 10%. And we went to Chase. We had to do a, like a um, verified check or what do you call those things? Certified check. Certified check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the bank. Although it was a huge pain in the ass. And here's my lesson. So I wasn't expecting, again, my, our realtor isn't, you know, we accidentally got a realtor. It's a long story. Anyway, he's not all up on it and communicating what we needed. So anyway, we didn't know we would need that 10%. We found out the day before. So my money is tied up in Ally, which is an online only bank, which is fantastic because it has a higher APY, which means I earn more money on my money, blah, blah, blah. But what happens is Ally... Um, because it's online, I I can't just go to a bank branch and get a certified check, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to transfer it to my Chase account, and then which took thankfully it only took twenty four hours. I was I was worried it was going to take three business days or whatever, but it took twenty four hours. But we had to, which basically cost us a day, and then I had to go into the Chase bank after that. So moving the money around was unexpected for me. Like it's it's really frustrating when you're like I have the monies, <laughs> but you know you can't get at it that fast. Exactly. And and that's actually it's so funny. Your money was an ally because that's where ours was, too. So I was nervous about especially transferring such a large amount. So like I did it over a couple of days because I was like, am I am I able to transfer like 180 in one WAP, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's been very interesting. And I I hate because I transferred the money maybe like a few weeks ago because I thought we were going to close. And I'm like, ah, I'm missing out on earning my interest. But I was afraid to transfer it back because I didn't know when we were going to close. Um, but so wow. we're, we're, we're rounding the bend and, you know, now my, my, my new kind of like piece of anxiety is like, well, who do we get to, to do the work? You know, cause I, uh, I want to get the kitchen and the bathroom done. And so I'm nervous about contractors cause you just hear so many, so many, you know, bad things. Oh, I'm right. I'm right in that same boat with you. And I'm, it's a little bit easier for you guys because no one's in there. 
Mm-hmm. I'm dying to start the process because I've been, you know, I like to be ahead of the game and to my husband is so frustrated by it because I'm like 10 steps ahead all the time. I'm like, so let's, let's get the contractor in place before we even close so that we can get an estimate, like get this ball rolling. Because what I, the pup, the couple of contractors that I've called have both said that things start booking up really fast in the spring and that it's really mm. hard to get people. And not only that, but it's not like the work is what takes long. Sometimes just getting to the work, like the permitting process. Yes. Of, like architects, you know, if we want to do a significant remodel, we have to first get an architect, I learned, have the yeah. architect come in and measure stuff, create a plan, and then call uh, get the permits for the plan. Yes. And then you bring in the contractor who executes the plan. And I'm just like, oh, this is uh, not- I know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh. I'm not like looking for that's the part that because like depending what kind of city you live in like Newark is not exactly known for moving quickly so I have been asking around to my friends that have done some um remodeling you know that I really want a contractor that is familiar with the city and the politics of the city because you need someone depending what kind of city that can go down there and be like hey Mary you can pull up the plan for me real quick you know what I mean like I didn't I don't want somebody who's kind of like I've never done stuff in Newark, but I mean, a house is a house. No, permits are different. And it's about people knowing people and relationships. So that's something I've been focusing on. They're like, okay, if I'm getting a contractor, I definitely want somebody who has previously existing relationships in the city. Yeah, I talked to one guy who was like, oh, I don't have a license in your county, but I, you know, I can get one. Let me know. I'm like, uh, I'll pass them. (laughs) Thanks, but no. Learning so much. They don't teach you this shit in college. At all, right? I'm like, I feel like we are learning so much. I'm going to like, I'm going to like real estate school. I feel like, okay, okay. It's so stressful because, you know, we can't fuck this up, Tiffany. This is what we do. (laughs) The people are counting on us to get this right. If we can't do it, then what are we doing? Um, Uh, But I'm excited about today's show because today we are going to be doing like a QA and a show, correct? Q&A, correct. I have, I have cold the best questions from the batch that we've gotten in the past couple of weeks. Um, really good questions, a good mix. But real quick, I wanted to let you guys know on last week's show, you guys really enjoyed the life insurance discussion. And we were talking more about it and decided that we're going to do a whole show just yeah. about the documents and the things everybody should think about before they die. Yeah. Um, because if we all have one thing in common, it's that we don't die. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> yes. life. Nobody makes it out alive, right? <laughs> so doesn't that sound uplifting? Tune in. Um, no, but for real, Tiffany actually has an amazing um, estate attorney who is going to come on the show. Her name is Art Steele. Yes, hey Art. Art's like I'm coming. So I, I actually spoke with Art today. Art has her own um, her own podcast called Legal Ease, where she kind of breaks down all this like just legal mumbo jumbo that we don't get and makes it super um, easy. And um, she was fangirling on Mandy. Sorry, Art. It was like, oh my God, I would love to come on. So Art, this is your official announcement. You're coming. (laughs) Art, your name is amazing. You're going to be on the show. Um, And this is truly her passion. I can tell just from checking her out that she wants to make estate planning. I mean, estate planning isn't just about you. It's also the people you're leaving behind. Like, how do you make sure that you are transferring your wealth in a way that's going to benefit them? Yes. Um, it just, it just, you know, making sure that happens in a way that people, you know, future generations can benefit from the hard work that you're doing today. So I'm really excited about it. Maybe I'll finally make a will. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Honestly, she's she's dope. You guys are gonna love her, and she's definitely all brown ambition. And um, yeah, I can't wait. I'm hoping we can get her on as soon as possible. Hopefully next week, Art, like save it, put a put a pin in it 
so we can have you on. We'll see. Um, but so just a heads up, you guys, if you have questions about estate planning or you're not sure what to do financially before you pass away or how do you protect your assets or make sure that your heirs get your assets, ask, send your questions now and we'll make sure to answer some of the best questions on that show with Art. And again, the email is brandambitionpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't know, if you don't know, then you haven't been listening. Um, or you can hit us up at brownambitionpodcast.com. Yeah, and click ask us anything. Yes, ma'am. All right, let's get into these questions. Yes. First up is... Da, da, da. Would you like to pick? I'm going to pick. Oh, no, no, because I was waiting for you. I'm, uh, like, I'm not even looking at it. I was, I was giving you the intro. That was a weird segue. I wasn't sure what to do. I panicked. Okay. I wanted to take a quick... I, I really like this question because um, I feel like um, it was really brave of her to ask, although she wants to remain anonymous. I think that this is something that um, a lot of people are dealing with once you build your career and, and establish yourself um, professionally. So this one's from someone named who wants to remain anonymous. She says, I am married with two daughters and a great career. However, I'm lacking in the friendship category. Over the years, as I have moved up in my career and made familial changes, i.e. getting married and having kids, I have lost one friend after the other. There isn't any bad blood. It's just that we have less in common or relationships feel one-sided. I can give career advice, but I can't get much support for myself. I would love some advice about connecting with women like me or people who can pull me up to their level. Help with like four <laughs> E's. This one yes. really got to my my feely spots. Mm. All up in my feels. Um, don't you think so? I mean, this is – it just reminds me of kind of what I am – this is my, this is my um, sort of fear about entering the next phase, not just of your career, but like family status – yeah. I, I I can't help but notice, um, or I've just been really aware that a lot of my friends having kids, um, we try, we work really hard at keeping those connections alive. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that, that's happened recently is the moms in our group, you know, we have a group mm. of friends, we've, we've been together for, we've been friends since, you know, they're actually my husband's friends from college, I love them dearly. Um, but as they started having kids, they've, they, we used to have a group chat, like a group text chain, okay? Recently, no one's been responding to – no one's been texting in that chain, and I found out that there's a separate mom's ah! text chain, which is completely fine, you know. Yes, but I understand. I, I, get, I get it. They don't think that we want to hear about their, you know, explosive diarrhea diaper situation, <laughs> you know, I, and they need each other to support, and I completely yeah. get that. And it's not like we still don't communicate, but you do – yeah, it's like, man, I really don't know how to see them on that level where they're at. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know them a little bit differently now. Yeah. I mean, I would say, well, one, if like, I haven't used this app, but I've heard good things. Bumble, doesn't Bumble have like a best friend component? I'm so now, glad so, you said that. Yes. You know, so Bumble is this dope app built by Whitney Wolf. Is that, that's her last name, right? I have no idea. I think so. <laughs> and so, um, so she built this app because she felt like Tinder and all these other apps were so men focused where men are just trying to hook up. And she was like, I want to put the power in women's hands. So I'm going to build an app where the women make the first move. The women are in charge of like the, you know, of like how dating goes and it's done really well. And then she realized that women want more than just looking for a partner, a romantic partner. Sometimes you're like looking for like a BFF, a girlfriend. And so she created um, that component in Bumble. So I definitely would start there. And I've seen a lot of great feedback that folks have really found some really fun, dope, amazing um, women to hang out with, friends um, via Bumble. 
So have I. Um, one of my one of my good girlfriends actually. She just moved to Baltimore from New York City. Um, she went there to move. She moved there because her boyfriend. They moved in together, and she moved there, and his career was there. Um, and that's what she did. She joined Bumble, and she told mm. me she's had a lot of good girlfriend dates. And I think that's so perfect for women too, because I don't know. I just think women. I think it's harder for men. They. I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but I do feel like as women, we just, we, we're social animals and we want to, you know, communicate and talk and it's just a little bit more natural. I bet it's even nicer than like online dating, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. easier, just, just like meeting people and it's, and it's hard, you know, one, one of the, like, the oldest ways to meet people is like, well, go to networking events or something like that. But those are so like, it can be so transactional. I would also- Exactly. Because you feel like, hey, here's my card. But I would also challenge you to ask yourself what things do you enjoy and join some Facebook groups that focus. So if you're like super into natural hair or super into knitting or like I was part of this travel group and of course they met up and even the dream catchers. So, you know, I have a company, the, the Budget Nisa, and we've got um, a community called Dream Catchers. They wanted to connect so badly, they started chapters. And so now there's 65 chapters nationwide and they meet monthly, uh, many of the chapters or at least quarterly. And so many women have formed like serious relationships and, and friendships from meeting, you know, it's it's and they don't just meet to talk about money, you know, that was the initial intent, but now they like go bowling together, have wine paint, painting parties. Um, they just went to the, to the shooting range. One of them, the New York chapter the other day I saw. Um, and so if you're, if you are a dream catcher and you're interested in like connecting in that way, um, I think the website is a dream catcher chapters with an S.com. But yeah, you can find a local chapter. It's totally free. It's just, they meet up and hang out. But I would look, that's not the only, like I said, the travel group that I belong to, they hang out. So you can definitely find online groups that have splintered into local sections that kind of like meet up and, 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 um, and hang out. I thought it was interesting. She said, I'd love to, I'd love some advice about connecting with women like me or that can pull me to their level. So Mm. you're looking for, it seems like she wants friends who are kind of at her level or can can you know i think you want friends who can improve your life in some way not because yes. it's like i need something from you but you bring something to my life and i can also hopefully bring something to yours and i mean i i don't want to be like a broken record but that professional seminar that i did in december i mean that for me was like speed dating 25 fantastic people and i made really good friends because mm. they were they were my peers but they were all at different levels in their career we we have a we have a you know we're all in the journalism industry but we work all over the place and one of the reasons that has such an impact on me is I realized how alone I had been as a journalist, as an editor, moving up in my career and not, and now working for a smaller sort of company where I don't really have someone who gets me, who I can sort of turn to and and who who knows what I'm going through and the people that I met at that were or you know, I'll probably have lifelong friends. And if, if you're in a specific career where maybe there's a some mm. sort of like I don't want to say a conference because that I feel is really intimidating and it's difficult to make connections there. Maybe a smaller event though, like a training or you know, some sort of meetup or a smaller professional organization mm-hmm. in your in your region or your area, that'd be a good place to I mean, you're already like breaking the ice because yeah. you are there for a specific reason. That's how me and Mandy met. Well, you interviewed me, but ultimately we met at a conference over something that we both had in common, which is financial education. And like, it wasn't like when we, I think we were like tweeting, like, are you here? I'm here. Are you here? And then we had like, we just hung out in New Orleans. We didn't go to the classes. (laughs) We were like, let's take a long walk. (laughs) 
it's and just Mandy, good to know each other. Yes, I'm like, what if I uh, like if like Mandy was a dude, we probably would have been dating because it was so nice. I'm like, this is so nice. That is the <laughs> nicest thing you've ever said to me. You would date, I would date you too. Um, but it was honestly, and so and now we're friends in real life. So like finding something that you're really interested in, and yeah, and, and finding a group that corresponds with that, it's a great place to start. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, next question comes from listener Ashaki. Cool name. Ashaki has a student loan question. She wants to know, how do I get my student loans forgiven? I was laid off in 2006, and I haven't been able to get a job since then. One other thing, when your loans are forgiven, what does that really mean? Please help me. Good question, mm. Ashaki. 2006, yeah. I'm so sorry. That's a long time ago. I, I, And she hasn't been able to get a job since then. Okay. That's a long time to be out of work. Yes. Um, she doesn't mention, so there's a quick thing. It would have been nice to know if they were federal versus private and mm-hmm. like what the status is. So we don't know some information. So we'll try and answer to the best of our ability without knowing if they're federal or private or if they're in forbearance or deferment. Um, as far as forgiveness, though, it, so if they're federal, that's I'm, if they're federal, you do have options to get your loans forgiven. You do. Not but, if they're private, though. Not if they're private, um, um, unless you get really lucky. But honestly, you probably won't. Um, so with federal loans, there are several ways to get your loans forgiven. Actually, I have the perfect guide for you. We literally just did one on all the different ways to get your loans forgiven. There's ways to get your loans forgiven depending on your profession. If you're a nurse, yes. a teacher, um, et cetera, there's ways to get your loans forgiven if you are in, uh, if you enroll in a specific type of federal repayment plan. They have mm-hmm. these plans called income-driven repayment. I'm not sure if you're enrolled in that, but if you are, you know, it's been 12 years, you said, since you were laid off. Um, oh, I wish you would have done it earlier because... Well, we're not sure if she has or hasn't. I mean, I'm That's hoping true. she has. Um, with, I think there's four different um, income-driven repayment plans. They basically reduce your payment to a very small proportion of your um, income, your disposable income. Mm-hmm. And then after um, 15 to 20 years, I think that's the, it's either 15 or 20 years for each one of them, um, the remaining debt can be forgiven. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's so great is that like the mistake, for example, the mistake I made when I was teaching, um, I was paying my student loan down. Um, but then um, when I lost my job, I stopped. I just went into forbearance instead of entering into the income-based repayment program because I was like, well, I can't afford it. And like my, my friend Angela, we had her on. She's like, oh, I wish I would have known you then because if you would have entered into the program, your income was zero. So your payment would have been zero. So you still would have been making, quote unquote, payments all of this time. And my, my loans would have been 100 percent forgiven versus just like three or four years. Like I was able to like retroactively get part of my loan forgiven. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So locking yourself in, especially if you're not working, because then you can literally lock in that rate for the um, for the duration of um, of your time of, of, of paying back that loan. So it can, it's a repayment. And the thing is, the laws are changing. There are like laws on the table now where these things will go away. Um, so you're wanting to lock yourself in, get grandfathered in before, um, you know, this year, quite honestly, like it's looking like June, July of this year that, um, there are going to be some laws up for, um, there's going to be some changes in the student forgiveness program. They're really trying um, to get rid of it, quite honestly. Yeah. What, what Tiff's talking about. So basically president Trump, ha- ugh, 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 sorry, I just threw it uh-huh. in my, <laughs> in my mouth. Um, he has, he, what he's done is he's given his education proposal. He's actually did this twice. He does it. They do it every year, right? So last year he did it. He's doing another one. And in his, in his proposal, what Trump would like is for by July of 2019, public service loan forgiveness, which is a type of loan forgiveness for people who work in the, in the nonprofit or public sector, um, who are eligible to get their loans forgiven after making 120 on-time payments, um, he's a, he's he's saying he wants to get rid of that program and then a lot of the income-driven repayment programs um, altogether by next summer, I believe. But you know, we recently did an article on this, and it I mean this is his proposal. It's not actually a law. What 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 legislators have to do, congressmen have to do, is actually put together a you know an amendment to whatever you know whatever law. Um, has or not law, but whatever regulations are in place at the Department of Education that created these these programs. Um, so it's definitely like I mean, if if Trump has it his way, they're going to be gone. Um, so, but but you're right though. You do want to you want to get you want definitely want to get enrolled. Hopeful hopefully we don't even know if you can be grandfathered in yet because there's no mm, the laws haven't just... been written. Um, but the hope is yes, if you get in now, you might be grandfathered in. But it's not you know. All, all I've heard from experts is saying, you know, it's it's nice if you can get in, but don't bank on these forgiveness programs being around that much longer, um, which is a bummer. Um, okay. And she asked, well, she asked specifically, what does student loan forgiveness mean? So I just wanted to be sure we answered that too. Um, when your loan is forgiven, so let's say you have a, I don't know, $20,000 loan and, um, you know, you've reached your 15-year limit on income-driven repayment and you have $10,000 left they will essentially wipe the rest of your balance clean, um, which means you don't owe that debt anymore. But one thing you have to keep in mind is in the eyes of the government, in the eyes of the IRS, they've sort of just given you $10,000. And you may actually, you probably will, in fact, have to pay income taxes on, or you could have to pay income taxes on that forgiven balance. So keep that in mind. I believe it's anything over $600 that's forgiven. And I think that goes for any kind of debt credit yep. card debt, medical, like whatever, um, any debt that's forgiven, basically written off, um, or not written off, but discharged from the from the person who owns the debt. Um, yeah, can be considered taxable income. And you should get a tax form in the mail. And I'll say this. Um, so when my, um, my I lost my home to foreclosure, and that debt was technically, I guess you could say forgiven, because once the once they take the house, they're like, okay, I didn't, I didn't have to pay, you know, what was left over. So thankfully there was a law in place at the time that president Obama, my president, um, he had in place that said, although your house was foreclosed upon because it was post recession, you're not going to have to pay taxes on the balance that you owed. And so, but I know a lot of people who that happened to afterwards and, but after once that law expired, I think it was like in place for like two or three years. Um, 
But one thing my accountant told me, and this is why you want to ask your accountant, he said, well, if my income was below a certain amount of money, or if your income, and if you have not worked in a certain, you know, for 12 years, you're likely in this category, that Carlos told me that if my income was, um, you know, at a certain rate that I wouldn't have to pay, because it's, it's almost like, you know, like teenagers who make babysitting money are not paying taxes because they just don't make enough. Oh, and right. so, yeah, good yeah, so, yeah. So keep that in mind that like, if you're, if you're at a certain level, as it relates to your income, you might not have to pay taxes either way, but that's something you want to ask an accountant about. And I'm just concerned because it's been 12 years. I mean, send us a follow-up email. Let us know things like, have you been making payments? Are they in collections? Are you at least enrolled in, have you been putting your loans in deferment or forbearance? Um, yeah, l- let us know because that'll help us, you know, maybe give you some more specific advice. Um, in the meantime, you know, whatever you, if you're if you're struggling, at least call your loan servicers, whoever owns them, and ask about your options because they should be able to tell you what your options are as well um, for getting lower payments or whatever. Um, so thanks for your question, Ashaki. Next yeah. question. These questions are great. You're right. Thanks. I take pride in you guys. <laughs> oh, I got to take this question from from listener Mo because my. My bestie in college, my college roommate, her name was Mo, and I loved her. <laughs> Moheezy, where are you at? Hope you're listening. Okay. Mo says she wants to know, what are your thoughts on long-term care policies? My mom passed away recently, and it really bothers me that I was unable to admit her to the nursing home she desired because of the cost. She felt mm-hmm. that long-term care policies weren't worth the investment, but I regret not encouraging her to invest in the policy or purchasing a policy on her behalf. Mo. So, and, you know, it's so crazy how things come up. So, um, um, a friend of mine, she, um, her mother-in-law is, um, passing away, uh, currently of cancer. She's 87 and she and her husband are, have been trying to figure out how they're going to be able to afford the care. She needs basically care 24 mm-hmm. seven and, um, they've been taking care of her and, but it's just been really expensive and she is a financial expert, but honestly, she was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so what I did actually, I reached out today, like right before, you know, we, we got on, I reached out today and I, I spoke to my best friend, Linda, who's a social worker. And, um, I said, Linda, you know, what can she do? And so if, if, if you're talking about a parent and if your parent is receiving, this is what Linda uh, told me, if your parent is receiving social security, you can reach out and to the social security office, um, and say, Hey, you know, I'd like to apply for both. Medicare and Medicaid, because once you reach a certain age, you might be eligible. There are some older people who are eligible for both. And if you're eligible for both, Medicare and Medicaid will actually cover everything. Um, I just had a friend uh, like two years ago pass away. Um, she had diabetes and her she left behind her mom who um, was bound to a wheelchair. And um, Linda was able to get on the phone with her through Social Security and make sure she got both Medicare and Medicaid. And they did everything. I mean, they they put a ramp on her house. They take her food shopping, you know, once a week. They come clean up the house. They will pay for everything, all of your medical equipment. They'll take you to the doctor. A lot of people don't realize that there are all of these services that come attached. I actually told Linda, I'm like, you need to teach a class on this because uh, Linda is like, uh, like, anytime someone's like, I don't know how to get this service. I'm like, let me call Linda. Um, so here's the thing. I, I didn't really understand the difference between Medicare and Medicaid. So she said, uh, typically you get Medicare, um, first, depending on your age, but she's like, if they're older, Medicare usually is offered first. And 65. 
You have to be 65 to qualify for Medicare. Everybody is eligible for Medicare. We mm-hmm. all, we, as part of your paycheck taxes, you pay into Medicare. Um, Medicaid is for is income restricted, so it's typically yeah. for people who are low income. Um, yeah, and go ahead. and that's supplementary, you know. But the the good thing is, is like let's just say that you're only able to get Medicare. She was like, and Medicare doesn't cover everything. There, there are typically something called a supplemental insurance that you can use to cover what Medicare doesn't cover, and depending on how old you are. Um, you can, it's not that expensive, you know, in, in comparison to what it would be to cover all of these things on your own. So you might get Medicare and then you might get, um, like some supplementary, like, you know, for 50 bucks a month that will cover, um, everything else. So yeah, long-term it's a, it's a, it's a, it's hard to navigate because a lot of times if you call, like, especially if you call the Medicare and Medicaid office, sometimes they're not as open to helping. That's why she always suggests if you, if the person that you're helping gets Social Security, it's the best place to start because they're like the top tier. And, and, and then from there, you know, they kind of force the hand of everybody else underneath them. And so I just got that advice today. And I've just shared it with my friend who's dealing with, um, you know, her dying um, mother-in-law right now to like start that process to literally say, I, I want to apply for Medicare for my mother and would like for Medicaid to be the supplementary insurance. How do I start that process? Um, and they keep on it. Um, I've seen Linda transform so many people's lives who didn't realize like, wait, they'll take me food shopping. They'll take me to the doctor. They'll build a ramp on my house. I mean, they'll do, Linda was like, they will do everything. But if you don't know, then you don't ask and then you don't receive. Okay. Moving on to the next question. Let us see. Let us see. Let us see. How about this question from a preschool teacher? Okay. Your people. Um, this is from listener Daja. She says, help. I love you guys. <laughs> like every email is like, help, all caps. <laughs> I'm a 29-year-old preschool teacher, and I have a question about whether or not I'm doing the right thing with my savings. In my 401k, I save 8%. My company will soon match 25% of my savings after my first year. And I have a regular savings account in which I put 12% from my take-home pay. I'm earning about 1.45% in that savings account. Should I contribute more to my 401k or just leave it the way I have it? I'm just trying to maximize my retirement funds. The The crux is she's putting 8% of her income in her 401k, but okay. she's putting 12% into her regular, her regular savings up. account. <laughs> well, it depends because we're not getting like all the information again. It depends. Yeah. Do you have a sufficient savings account? Like are you saving too this much in true. cash? Because I, I, I'm guilty of this. Yes. You, you're like, oh, I want – I like the comfort of knowing I have a lot of cash yes. in my account. It yes. looks really pretty there. It's nice to look yes. at. I call it the old lady mattress syndrome. And I, <laughs> Mandy and I both suffer severely from old lady mattress syndrome. Scarred as children. Yes. Scarred as adults. Um, so that's my first question. If you've got, you know, a good six months in there and you feel comfortable, I would say, yeah, you should, you should shift a little bit more to your 401k. You're young. Yep. Um, you know, you don't say whether you have children or not or other expenses. I'm going to assume that you don't. I mean, I think this is the time. I always think of my 20s as like, okay, this is a selfish time. I need to put away, put away, put away before other yes. things come and distract you, like children and, and I don't know, home improvement projects, something like that. Um, but, and, and, you know, you should be putting away as much as you can. But, you know, only if you have – like definitely first your emergency fund is important. But if you've been putting, if you've been putting away 12% for a while, which it seems like you have – yeah, you might be good, and you might be able to shift more of that toward your your four hundred one k. You have to like, especially if you're 
for as a woman, you know, we typically live longer than men. So, you know, the rule of thumb is you're supposed to set aside like 10% of your income. So that way you have enough for women. I suggest even a little more than that, because the likelihood of you living longer than a man is, is possible more than possible. And so setting aside more, so at least inch yourself up to that 10%. So that way, you know, like I, I don't, have you ever named your old lady self, Mandy? Did we ever talk about that? Um, no, but. I should, so she can be friends with Wanda. Yes. <laughs> so my old lady self is named Wanda, and I don't know. It just seems Wanda just seems like such a great old lady name. Like she's got a little sass to her, and like you know, she still is fun and young. And but it helps to for me to uh, conceptualize setting aside for someone versus like it's hard to think of like my old self like oh but it's like no wanda like let me put this aside for wanda so she could not eat cat food so definitely name your old lady self we're gonna get mandy an old lady um self name you could certainly hit us up on instagram or facebook or twitter if you have an old lady name suggestion for miss mandy um i mean i'm just i'm just so hyper aware of my own mortality that i don't even need an old lady (laughs) i have no problem picturing myself old name mandy (laughs) (laughs) I have no problem imagining myself old, graying, and dying because I think about that all the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah one so, day I'm going to die. But definitely, definitely, definitely shoring up your future is critical. Like it, I always think this, that it is your younger self's job to take care of your older self. And um, it, it's like now is the time. You have the energy. You have the ability. You've got the time to put in the work and, and set aside and stock away. Um Wealth typically doesn't magically happen to people. It's usually systematic. I mean, some people are fortunate enough to like inherit, but the average person who has wealth, it was something that they actively pursued. And if you're wanting to set yourself up to not have to worry, then yeah, definitely putting at least 10% away for retirement. And I'm assuming that your retirement account is definitely generating more than 1.4% a year um, in, in interest. So that's just the best place to put it. Um, Especially if you have, like Mandy said, your um your six months worth of um emergency funds. Yeah, one point five one point four five percent is great for a savings account. It sounds like you have a good online savings account, um, but the stock market on average is going to give you seven percent, you know, conservatively. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have so many. You're twenty nine. You have so many years for that money to grow, girlfriend. Don't be afraid to put it away. You yeah. sound like Susie Orman. You said girlfriend, just like Susie. no, no. <laughs> died a little on the inside. You threw up a little on the outside. You know, right? I, I was looking at getting a bedazzled blazer today. I thought I might get one. So yeah, this list, the last question comes from Amora, um, who says, I have a dilemma. So she literally just gives a list of all her debt. So let's get through that real quick, okay? $35,000 in student loans, $9,500 my car loan, $12,000 car loan I helped co-sign for a family member. Help! Again with the help. 9000 Are you keeping... You should add these up as I go. Okay, okay. Let me... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get my... We have to start from the beginning. Come so on, that Dana. way... Okay. Okay, let's start from the beginning. 35000 35, mm-hmm. student loans. Okay. $9,500 her car loan. Okay. $12,000 for a car loan that she co-signed for a family member. We $9,000 in credit card debt and $8,100 in a hospital bill that hit collections. Okay. That's it? That's it. So that's, that's it? 70, you want more? Well, I'm just saying, you know, no, $73,600. Ouch. Which okay. is, okay. 12000 of that is not necessarily that she owns, but her name is on it, so she's liable for it. Exactly. Yikes. Okay. So she wants to know, 
should I consolidate my debt? Any advice would be so helpful. Basically, what the hell do I do with all these different types of debt? Okay. So let I would like to talk about the credit card, uh, the hospital debt first, because that might be the easiest to start with. Okay. So um, if it's in collections, um, uh, credit card, like not credit card, I'm sorry, um, hospital, um, it depends like what kind of collection. So hospitals sometimes have their own internal collection agency before they send it. Like they just totally sell it off to like Bob and them. So here's the thing about hospitals. They are willing to negotiate. I owed, I don't know, maybe like uh, $2,000 because I decided to dye my own hair and almost died. <laughs> and so I didn't know I was allergic to black dye until my face swelled up. And um, I went to the hospital because I didn't have insurance. And I was hit with like a $2,000 bill. I negotiated that down to like, I want to say 700 something in that range. Um, but I've had my sister negotiated her $10,000 bill down to like 3000 So you have a lot of negotiating room with the hospital bill. So I would definitely start there. And there's not interest collecting on that, correct? I mean, I know it's hurting your credit, um, mm-hmm. but it's not like it's dragging. It's not like you're you're racking up a bunch of interest charges. And I believe, I mean, I know for a fact that three credit bureaus um, recently changed things for a yep. certain credit score where... Uh, medical debt, um, past unit medical debt w- shouldn't impact your credit as significantly as other types of debt. Exactly. So I would, I would start there, like negotiate, 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 get it down. Um, then I would mosey on over to the cosign. There are not too many ways to get out of a cosign. Is this person current? You didn't say if they are, you can actually get refinanced out of a cosign loan if they're current and they've been making enough on-time payments. Oftentimes they look to see like, okay, how much equity they have in the car and the, um, the, the bank that the car is being um, um, loaned from or the, the money that the car is being loaned from that, that bank can possibly like, you know, refinance you out. Both parties have to be on board. So the person that you co-signed with and the bank, but if they're making on-time payments, that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I hope it doesn't. She doesn't say that they haven't been making payments, but it's definitely like you want to get out of that situation because yes. they could easily stop, and you've got enough problems on your own. Yes. Um, your car note, ninety five hundred dollars. I mean, with a with a hospital bill and collections and so much other debt, I'm not sure you'd be able to refinance your car loan mm-hmm. and get a better rate. You might be stuck with it. Um, you might be stuck with it. I mean, you can try. If you're not underwater, that just means if your car loan isn't more than that your car is worth. You could consider selling it, using the money to pay off some other debt, um, taking public transit for a while so you save on those expenses. Um, that's, that's the only options I could think of for your car. Just you know, don't don't do something like trade it in. That would be yeah. Oh no, don't stupid. do that. Don't do that. Um, and, also, <laughs> and then student loans. Ugh, you could definitely look at the forgiveness. Maybe I don't know what you do for a living. Well, forgiveness. I mean, the student loans are the least. If they're if they're federal, that's the least of. You know, that yeah. for me, you know, they're probably a lower interest rate than the car loan or the credit card. Um, I would say if you haven't yet, contact your loan servicer yes. and see if you can get enrolled in income-driven um, repayment plan because they'll tie it to your disposable income, which is mm-hmm. important, not just your income, but your disposable income. So if you show you have a bunch of debt on top of your earnings, you know, you may be able to qualify for a lower um, minimum payment, which will help reduce some of that that pressure. Um, 
as far as consolidating, you know, especially for the credit card, which we haven't gotten to yet, there's mm-hmm. you you should be able to. I mean, consolidation would be a smart way because if you have these different types of debts, um, you know, you may want if you're having if you're having trouble making keeping up with payments, if you have those private loans, if the, if you know their student loans are private, I mean, you could refinance those uh, or consolidate them through a refinance loan. Um, which would, you know, if you have three different student loans totaling $35,000, you would basically pay them all off with this new loan and then be left with one loan. Um, Again, you'll need decent-ish credit to qualify for most student loan refis. With credit card debt, one, I I have a feeling that's across several different cards. Okay. Um, And I think you could stand to save a lot if you can qualify for either a personal loan Yep. That would help you pay off those credit cards and you'll be left with just that personal loan. Alternatively, you can do if – I don't know. if Well, I hesitate to recommend a balance transfer. Because, I was thinking that, yeah. Yeah, because balance transfers, although they sound great, you get 0% for 12 months. If you can't pay it off after 12 months, then, you know, yes, you've bought yourself some time, but you're going to end up with um, a new credit card with a, with a, with a high interest rate. Exactly. Like all credit cards have high interest rates. So um, – as far as personal loans versus balance transfers, so you could, you know, not to toot my own horn, but you could go to MagnifyMoney or LendingTree.com um, and put in a couple of just personal details about yourself, just not not the full everything, but a few details and, and see if you can um, get pre-qualified for some personal loans. And this actually won't hurt your credit score because it's a soft pull, but mm-hmm. you'll, you'll at least get an answer like, what is what it's basically telling you is oh is it likely that I'll get approved or is it likely I won't get approved and if it if it tells you you won't get approved then you know don't waste your time don't risk yeah. don't risk your credit by you know fully applying but if you get in a you know you get pre qualified then you could go ahead and apply and they'll give you a sense of what rate you might qualify for and that's how it's a good it's good to just shop around like that and compare your options when it comes to personal loans. Um, you may even want to use that personal loan to you know after you take Tiffany's advice and try and negotiate down the bill. If it's in collections, they may be willing to settle for less. Yes, um, and that's what I mean by negotiating down. Because that yeah. if it's if you haven't paid, they just want something. And um, you know, and hospitals are I found are just way more flexible with accepting less. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that personal loan, like if you weren't able to, often when you settle your medical debt, they might want everything. Even if you're settling it for half, so you have eighty one hundred dollars. Let's say they want you settle it for four thousand. They still want you to give them four thousand right away. Yeah. Um, so a you know you have to weigh the pros and cons. Um, if you're gonna you know possibly take out a, a personal loan to pay off that debt, will you be able to make your personal loan payments? Um, and and or will it become another burden for you? You have to figure out what you can afford. But the beauty of a personal loan is that it's a fixed term. It's not like a credit card where you can just keep drawing on it and interest keeps accruing and you never make any progress. A personal loan, they're going to tell you you have three years, you have five years, you have seven years. Um, for your repayment, and here's your here's your monthly fee. It's your monthly um, payment. That's not going to change either. It's all fixed, um, so you don't have to worry about interest rates changing or whatever. Um, and you'll know, hey, in three years, I'm going to have paid off this personal loan and be done with it. Um, yeah. I just talked to some guy who who um, consolidated his loans through SoFi, and he was like, "Damn, I just like the, the mental like uh, the the psychological impact of just having that one." debt instead of several debts and then knowing I'm going to pay it off, you know, at three years is my finish line like, mm-hmm. really, really helps him. 
So tackle them individually, you know, and I I always like when I am tackling like financial things to go with the easier thing first, because then it gives you a little momentum. So definitely I would start with the hospital because it's like, whoo, if you get that, it'll give you, you know, the boost that you'll need to like tackle the things that are a little bit harder. Absolutely. All right, Amora, I hope that was helpful. Again, if you guys, you know, have questions, absolutely send them to us, um, brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. And that's all she wrote. Well, I do have a win. Oh, okay, fine. I'm tired. I know, just a quick win. (laughs) No, me me too, me too. (laughs) There is, um, there's a book that just came out called Children of Blood and Bone. Have you heard, Mandy? Is it scary? No, no, it's a... Or religious. It could either be scary or religious. No, so it's written by this Nigerian-American writer who for years has been trying to get like this book published. It's like, I guess from what I understand, it's Harry Potter based in West Africa. So it's magic. Yeah. It's magic. It's yeah, I know. I was so excited. So I saw her on Good Morning America. She was so excited that, you know, that her baby had come to life. Her parents were on there with her, her father, they were beaming. And it was just such a delightful interview of this young woman named Tomi um, Adeyemi. And she's Nigerian and she just has always loved to write. She teaches, um, um, I guess, uh, I guess creative writing in San Diego. Um, but she just loved to write. She's gone. She's a Harvard graduate and, um, just started writing and everyone told her no, 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 no. And finally she got her yes. And this is part of a series of books that are going to come out about this, this, um, this character. It's a young woman, um, young girl who, um, is, has a magical lineage but the I guess the country where she lives, they tried to stamp out magic and she's trying to bring it back. So it's like the journey for her trying to bring it back. I've only read like maybe I read like I read a little last night because I, I um I got it to my Kindle and I was already like, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait. But what I love is that it's, you know, it's rich with culture in Africa and and just it's, it's beautifully written. And she got a seven figure multi book deal. Oh, um, wow. Which is, I think, the highest, from what I remember from the interview on um, Good Morning America, is the highest, one of the highest, like, you know, book deals for, for, for first of all, it's, it's you don't often um, get to read about brown characters in, uh, what, is, what, what genre would you say Harry Potter is? It's like... Oh, fantasy, fiction. Yeah, um, that kind of like, you know, you don't really get to read that often. And so the book is doing really well. The The reviews have been amazing. And the book itself, from what I've read thus far, I've been really enjoying it. Um, and you have to look at the cover art. It is absolutely breathtaking and beautiful. And so I just want my win to be for you, Miss Tomi Adeyemi. I'm proud of you, children of blood and bone. And um, yeah, I just Harry Potter, but in Africa. And I just was like, this is amazing. And, oh, and she already got option for a movie. A movie is going to be produced based upon this first book. I'm like, this is amazing. Oh, no way. What's it called yep. again? It's called Children of Blood and Bone. Children of Blood and Bone. Got it. And it's, out, it's already out? It's already out. It's already on Amazon. That's why I got mine. I got the Kindle version because I was like, I can't wait for the book to physically come. I love um, it. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right. My win. So I, I'm from Georgia. You guys know this. Georgia girl. I still, like, living in New York, I always feel like, man, I'm going to go vote, but also, like, I'm in a blue state. My vote isn't that significant. 
Um, but in Georgia, Georgia's like really, it's, it was always an interesting place politically. But even now, I mean, Atlanta was blue, but the whole state, most of the state's red, right? So most of the state's conservative. Um, but I just want, I still pay attention to Georgia politics. And I must give a shout out to Stacey Abrams, who could make history as the first African-American governor in the entire United mm-hmm. States. Yes. And she's actually, it's actually a win for women too, because she's up against another woman, a white woman, but still a woman, two women um, racing to be governor. Um, state also named Stacy, strangely enough, Stacy Abrams <laughs> and Stacy Evans. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's like my mind is exploding. Um, but she's getting so much interest. I mean, I think just the historic nature of her campaign, I, I, I didn't even know. I mean, I guess I did know that uh, Georgia's never had a, african-american um female governor but i'm rooting for her because i don't know our our leadership in georgia has been not the greatest for people like myself i must say um so if you live in georgia or you know someone is in georgia tell them to pay attention to the gubernatorial race um check out the candidates and just shout out to stacy no matter what happens to be the first would be would be huge Yes. I, the word gubernatorial is just funny to me. When you said it, I was like, hee, hee, hee. Gubernatorial. Yeah, I think that's probably why. Because I'm five on the inside. So that was our show. I'm excited because we've got some great guests coming on. We don't have guests often. And Mandy and I were both like, that's because we like to only bring the best of the best. And, and you know, like, it's, we're not trying to bring, I mean, although it's nice to have, like, super well-known people, we really want to focus on quality awesome folks that that are gonna bring um something you know that we can't bring to the table so we're excited to start like rolling out some more people to come come chat with us yeah so definitely look out for an episode um with the guest art steel a state a state attorney extraordinaire so go ahead send us some questions you guys have about anything re- relating to to estate planning end of life situations what documents do i need should what are my beneficiaries any of those questions yeah um, what do i do with my parents my grandma needs something what do i do you know that kind of thing that that's perfect exactly um and again thanks 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 wait i just i just had a stroke <laughs> I don't know. Like the go. record just skipped in my brain. Yes. Like, <laughs> I was like, okay, are we doing a little song here? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I Who love am it. I? I'm that note, we bid y'all adieu. <laughs>